Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. This has been a rough year for the business of journalism. The pandemic has been described as a mass extinction event for media companies. This is true in the United States, Europe, and the developed world, but it's even more so the case in poorer countries. And it is in many developing countries with weaker government institutions that independent media plays an outsized role in holding the powerful to account. A free and independent media is a key guardrail for a free and open society, yet many media organizations in the developing world are struggling to stay afloat. My guest today, Nishant Lalwani, has a plan to support independent journalism in low- and middle-income countries. He is the managing director of Luminate, a philanthropic institution that supports governance, democracy, and media all over the world. And he is the driving force behind a new international fund for public interest media. As he explains, the idea is to create an international and multilateral platform in which traditional aid donors and new players alike can combine forces to support independent media. And in this episode, he explains this idea in detail, and it's already gotten the backing of some key international players. I think you'll find this episode really interesting. Uh, To me, it is fascinating to hear about this idea from its inception. And it's not unreasonable to think that in just a few years' time, the International Fund for Public Interest Media will be a robust and living institution supporting journalism all over the world. And of course, as the proprietor of a public interest media podcast, I am strongly rooting for its success. And speaking about funding models, uh, I'd encourage you to become a premium subscriber to Global Dispatch's podcast. Support the show. You'll earn great rewards in return, including bonus episodes and access to my daily global news clips service. Go to patreon.com slash global dispatches to unlock those rewards and support the show. Thank you. All right. Now here is my conversation with Nishant Lalwani, managing director of Luminate. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Over the last 10 to 20 years, we've seen a huge decline in 
the number of independent media organizations all over the world, but especially in the developing world. We've also seen a huge decline in revenue um, and newsroom staff for the ones that have survived. And that's really as a product uh, and an output of new business models being defined by large tech platforms and other internet companies um, that have taken the core advertising revenue, which is uh, which used to sustain newsrooms around the world, away from uh, journalism organizations. We've also seen decreasing trust in the media over the last uh, four or five years. And you'll see that in the Edelman Trust Barometer and other surveys of trust uh, in, in media organizations. And that's an unfortunate implication of uh, the increasing amount of misinformation that's around, but also the the lack of revenue and support that trustworthy and public interest journalism organizations are getting. So the two things go hand in hand, really. The deteriorating trust in media and the revenue decreases um, that have been perpetuated by different you know, business models uh, of advertising and, and the internet. Yeah, on the revenue uh, decreases, uh, you know, it's been said, and I've seen it said that, you know, the COVID pandemic is also a media mass extinction event that even as reader interest and, and, and engagement with news stories has increased, advertising revenue has plummeted because advertisers just you know, didn't want their products to appear as side stories about the pandemic. Yes, it's partly it's partly that, and for other reasons too, because you know advertising has been redirected to, you know, other sources. It's been, if you think of the decline in media revenue pre-pandemic as a kind of chronic crisis, COVID nineteen's really turned it into an acute crisis. You know, the Reuters Digital News Institute has uh, reported that thirty billion dollars have been lost uh, to newsrooms around the world directly because of the pandemic over the last year. And you see this in very real and unfortunate ways all over low-income countries. You take Lion Mountain Radio, which is a radio station in Freetown in Sierra Leone. They've been forced to cut half of their staff um, after a massive decline in advertising revenue over the last year. The Observer in Uganda uh, actually had to shut for some time. Even BuzzFeed Australia, um, had to close last year. And Australia is not a market that has, has struggled to support media in the past. You know, advertising and kind of, uh, you know, CPM uh, rates there are quite high. And no, yet, I, should, I should say, for those who are unaware, a CPM is uh, cost yeah. per meal, the, the amount that an advertiser will pay for 1,000 impressions. And I'll be happy to send you my, my rates. <laughs> the pandemic has impacted disproportionately, perhaps, as, you, as you've written, public interest media in the developing world. I guess first, can you describe what you mean by public interest media? Public interest media really is ethical, nonpartisan credible media that reports on the issues that affect people's lives and reports on the issue reports on issues that people need to understand to make decisions um, that affect their lives so public interest media often covers issues of politics of society of education recently public health has been an incredibly important issue um, that uh, many newsrooms haven't had the the opportunity to cover as they'd like 
And we've seen the effect of that. I mean, during the COVID pandemic, you know, quality information and access to it has become literally a life or death matter. And so, you know, these the, the declining number of independent media and their inability to cover, you know, how COVID, for example, is spreading locally, how individuals in different parts of the world and different regions should respond to it. That's had a massive impact on the pandemic. Um, and, you know, the WHO, World Health Organization, recently called this an infodemic because of that impact. So, I mean, in addition to um, decreasing revenues uh, in many independent media outlets in the developing world, I mean, I have to imagine there's also the increased pressure from, you know, broadly creeping authoritarianism around the world and the knock-on effects from the last four years of having the U.S. president decry fake news and from governments around the world passing media laws that ostensibly uh, create these high hurdles or not ostensibly, do create high hurdles to establish independent media organizations and enable these governments to crack down forcefully against independent media. I mean, it all just seems like a, almost like a witch's brew in some of these places of, of various you know, forces conspiring against a free and independent media. Unfortunately, that's exactly right. Take uh, the Philippines, for example. You know, there's nothing in Filipino law to prevent uh, you know, free media publishing um, stories that hold power to account, hold the government to account. There's nothing in the constitution. And yet, Rodrigo Duterte has made it, um, uh, has taken it into his agenda to try and shut down Rappler, which is one of the leading news sources in the Philippines. Rappler started by Maria Ressa, um, who was Time Person of the Year uh, last year. Um, this is happening all over the world. Bolsonaro's doing it in Brazil. You know, Trump attacked the media in the US. Um, many, many countries, autocrats, are using all sorts of techniques to try and silence journalists. Um, in, certain, in, some, in some cases, you know, there's, there's tax um, and other financial suits which are being launched against journalism organizations. They may or may not have any basis. They usually don't. And yet it ties up newsrooms. It's an expensive thing to fight. It makes sure that those, those journalists are distracted and worried for their jobs. And it, it undermines the media. And this sort of authoritarian playbook is being used around the world. And so we have to fight back. Um, and one of the ways of fighting back is by providing those independent media organizations with the financing they need or the financing they need to, to keep publishing, to fight back against those governments. And also, um, it, you know, if you provide the right kind of media funding uh, in any given country, you'll have multiple independent voices, not just one or two. It's much harder to silence, you know, 10 or 15 independent journalism outlets than it is to silence one. And the incentives for doing so are also much less because journalists band together and they report. Uh, on on government actions where where there is a vibrant and sort of pluralistic media sector. So I would love to learn from you the genesis of this idea for an almost global fund for independent media in the developing world. How did this idea start? Where did it start? So if you look at the current uh, amount of foreign aid around the world that supports the media, it's incredibly low. 
just 0.3% of foreign aid, which equates to about $550 million a year, uh, goes towards supporting the media um, from overseas development assistance. Now, as I can I stop earlier, you there? Can, can I stop you there? Mm-hmm. Um, which countries are the largest contributor of that $550 million amount? Because frankly, that seems high to me. Uh, I, I wasn't aware of such efforts to support independent media. Yeah. So, I mean, well, $550 million is actually pretty low when you think about the $30 billion that's been lost. Right. Right. Um, to, to newsrooms just in during the COVID-19 crisis. You know, it would take 54 years to restore that $30 billion uh, and all the journalists' salaries that that support, that, that amount supports, um, if we were to go at the current rate. Sweden is one of the leading wow. supporters um, to, of independent media. Uh, via its um, via its foreign aid, it supports 1.4%. Sorry, 1.4% of its foreign aid budget goes towards um, the media, uh, but many many countries in, in the world are lower than that. Hmm. And you know those countries are realizing that supporting media is critical to supporting democracy. It's critical for supporting national security, and it's critical for supporting economic development in many places. We've seen that where democratic institutions and public interest institutions are dying out, undemocratic actors fill those spaces. Look at the way that the 2016 election was manipulated by foreign actors, right? Through political advertising, through uh, disinformation and propaganda that was popping up as if it was, you know, US um, domestic media when often it was foreign interference. And so the idea for the International Fund for Public Interest Media really came about because, you know, we think that there are many large um, bilateral government donors who have understood the importance of supporting media at this time and ensuring that public interest journalism survives and rebuilds post-pandemic. And yet it's very hard to do that directly. Supporting the media Um, especially outside one's own country, can be politically difficult if you have to do it directly. It can be expensive and it can be hard to navigate. And that's why an independent fund that draws on capital from many different countries who are interested in supporting media and democracy, an independent fund that can be independently governed and make decisions about which organizations to support and how to see us through to a new era um, of sustainable public interest journalism, that's what's required. And that doesn't exist. Mm. There is no independent organization um, that's channeling large amounts of government um, aid capital into the media sector. And that's why we've decided to create the International Fund for Public Interest Media. I mean, I I could imagine it would be, say, politically fraught for USAID to directly, you know, cut a check to, say, the Uganda Observer, as opposed to, say, USAID or other donor governments giving money to this kind of international fund that then disperses the funding as it sees fit, according to whatever, um, you know, statutes it has, you know, internally devised. That's exactly right. Now, there are ways of figuring out which media is doing, you know, uh, is is reporting in the public interest, right? There are uh, organizations that conduct editorial reviews, 
there are organizations that rate media for the level of disinformation that any given organization disseminates or amplifies. There are organizations that can look at you know, the editorial strategy and compare it to one's peers to make sure that there isn't um, a great deal of bias um, politically or otherwise in the reporting of institutions. So one can, if one starts from a place of trying to create you know, robust pluralistic media ecosystems, one can uh, select organizations um, that report in the public interest based on their track record and support them directly. And that's why uh, an, you know, an, an independent organization that's mission driven um, and that has uh, legitimacy, legitimacy because of the, you know, its board, because of its mission, because of its charter um, is a is better place to do this than states are directly. And how much money do you think would be required among donors to contribute to this fund in order to make a, say, meaningful impact in the media landscape in key countries in the developing world? So the Center for International Media Assistance has, has estimated that you know, it's five or $600 million that's currently going into media right now from these governments. And that is not cutting it. Um, it's not cutting it because it, you know these organizations are dying out, right? We're, and not just in in low and middle income countries. Even in the UK, we've lost around 250 news outlets in the last 15 years. So, we, you know, we understand that that amount is insufficient. You know, philanthropies such as Luminate and the Open Society Foundations also contribute money. Uh, in order to make a real difference here, we think that we need to go from 0.3% um, of foreign aid funding to 1% of all foreign aid funding supporting the media. That would be an extra billion dollars uh, per year to support media around the world. And we estimate that that would be required for eight to 10 years. During that time, we would support innovation. We would support new approaches to uh, media sustainability. We would support new models of journalism that would hopefully chart a path forward to a viable, uh, you know, to viable media sectors in many countries in the world. And do you expect to raise this funding exclusively from governments or do some of those giant uh, social media companies like Facebook who have contributed to the decline in advertising revenue bear some responsibility to contribute to this fund as well? Or do you even want, you know, private sector to contribute to this as well? Yeah, we'd really welcome private sector funding. Um, and certainly Facebook, Google, Twitter um, are the obvious candidates there. Um, they, uh, especially Facebook and Google, have already put, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into supporting journalism. You know, there are questions about whether them doing it directly is the right approach, though. Um, they have incentives, um, which may not be perfectly aligned, with you know promoting public interest journalism in certain places, so we we certainly welcome uh, you know contributions from those organisations as long as it's very clear that the decision making of which media houses receive capital from this international fund is made independently. Right, they won't have a direct say in that. And in fact, the board that we'll construct will not have majority of donors, so no individual donor. Um, will be able to direct that funding um, to specific organizations. 
We also think that um, there are many high net worth individuals um, over, especially over the last year, who've realized how important um, quality, trustworthy information is to our societies and to our democracies. And so we're hoping to fundraise from the, the increasing number of uh, billionaires that uh, have recognized this issue as being uh, important to our stability going forward. So right now, the fund is an idea. Uh, how do you take it from an idea to an actual sort of living, breathing uh, organization that, that executes against its, its goals? What are the next steps in that process of standing up this fund? It's an idea, but it's an idea with momentum. So there's three stages. You know, The stage we're in is pre-launch. We've spent two years uh, developing this concept. We've socialized it very widely with experts in the uh, media development space. We have uh, an advisory group that includes representatives um, from leading academic institutions, from UN agencies, from Google, from other, you know, other funders of media. We've been working on this together and building and, uh, and iterating on this idea. We've also raised some money to help uh, take this idea forward. You know, just a million dollars or so coming from, you know, Luminate, the MacArthur Foundation, and also Craig Newmark Philanthropies. That's, that, that, that amount is going to help us put in place a, a sort of a crack team to to launch the fund. The next stage um, is for us to raise $100 million. Now that's uh, a, a relatively small amount given um, our, our, our eventual target, but $100 million will allow us to launch and test this concept. It'll allow us to put in place the infrastructure needed to make grants. You know, 90% of that 100 million will be regranted on to uh, media organizations, so it'll have a real impact, but it also tests the concept where the global fund like this can work at scale. Um, and then the, the final stage is for us to get to that 1% BODA number, which is a billion dollars a year. And we, we, we expect to get there within three to four years. And are there particular regions of the world you see as ripe for these investments, um, say that $100 million that you seek to raise, um, where would you expect that money to go? There's many countries in the world that could benefit from this funding. Um, and uh, it's not me asserting that, you know, we've, we have a lot of research to show that. Um, we also have supporters who have been calling for this fund um, from countries that might benefit. John Kafour, who's the former president of Ghana, um, has uh, has been a, a, an advisor um, and a champion of this fund now for some time. He believes it could transform the media landscape in West Africa if it's done at scale. There are there are many countries in Latin America, in Africa, in Asia, where media organisations exist, independent journalism. Is, uh, is, is in place, but it needs more funding to thrive. And these are countries like Brazil and South Africa, Indonesia, many others. So we could, start, we could start with a set of countries where we know this funding would be very welcome and prove the concept and expand globally from there. 
What are some key inflection points in the coming you know, days and, and weeks and, and months uh, that will suggest to you whether or not you're on track to, to meet some of those uh, intermediate goals, leading eventually to that goal of getting 1% of uh, official development assistance going to, to fund the media? Well, we've, you know, our initial goal was to flesh out this idea and test it with important experts around the world who've been working in media for decades. We've done that. We've published a feasibility study which lays out how this fund would work. That happened in April. The next milestone was for us to raise one and a half million dollars to put in place a team that could raise uh, raise the the large corpus we need for grant making. So we've raised one, one million out of that one and a half um, with a recent contribution from Craig Newmark Philanthropies. The next goal um, will be for us to get an anchor donor um, from, you know, from a likely from, from, a, from a government that wants to champion this fund and wants to champion uh, press freedom and independent media. And it'll be really interesting to see um, how the Biden administration thinks about supporting media um, in the U.S. and globally. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the U.S. you know has not been a, a champion of free speech um, o- over the last few years with Trump in power. Biden has indicated his intent with the Summit for Democracy later this year to reestablish the U.S.'s leadership, and you know media is a, is, is, has to be a key part of that. I think. I have to imagine you are pleased that the incoming administrator of USAID is herself a formal journalist. Thrilled. Yes, thrilled <laughs> that Samantha Power is in place um, and in place early too um, to chart a path forward. And we hope that brings with it um, a recognition of um, and, and support for media going forward. So, Nishant, okay. thank you so much for your time. This was very helpful, and I'll be looking forward to seeing how this evolves. I mean, it's obviously very necessary, and as a uh, member of the independent uh, public interest media myself, I'm, I'm just keenly yeah. interested in seeing this thing uh, launch. So good luck. Thank you, and thanks for the opportunity to be, to be on the show. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Nishant. That was very interesting. And as I said at the outset, I am very much rooting for the success of the new International Fund for Public Interest Journalism. It's so needed. uh, And I'm glad that there are policy entrepreneurs out there like Nishant Lalwani, who is making this a reality. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.